Hello and welcome everyone to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. I'm Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the North Carolina saltwater community since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in this latest chapter, the Saltwater Podcast Series. In the Saltwater Podcast Series, we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share their knowledge, their insights on how to catch more fish more often. But I think the true goal isn't just more fish more often, but to give you confidence, to get you encouragement, and to get you to join your family and friends to spend more time on the water more often. Uh, Our guest this week is Captain Jody Gay. He is of Blue Water Candy Lures. I'm sure many of you, all of you familiar with Blue Water Candy Lures. And we're going to be talking about fall king mackerel fishing, fall king mackerel fishing. So the conversation will start with a brief when and where. Then we're going to go into such topics as structure versus no structure, dead bait versus live bait, and we'll finish with getting the fish to the boat and in the boat. Um, I am joined this week, just as I am every week, with my co-host Billy Thorpe, and that's Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Hello, Billy. What's up? What's going on, Gary? You doing all right, man? I'm doing good, man. I got a I got a long time friend in this in, in on this podcast. I'm looking forward to talking to Joe. I'm looking forward to hearing you guys talk. Yeah, man. I think he's going to have <laughs> he's forgotten more about King Mackerel than I'll ever know. And I don't even know what a King Mackerel is, so we're in good shape. No, I'm just messing. <laughs> oh man! Speaking of what I do know is how to watch and how to listen to this podcast. So I'm going to. Let you guys in on the secret. Um, here's all the places you can find our podcast, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're really trying to grow that thing and uh, always like to see when people are on there commenting, telling us telling us that we look good. You know, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I look better than you, but you know, whatever. That's I mean, we'll say that we want, we value any com- comment. <laughs> we value critical feedback. We'll say that, but... We're a sucker for a compliment. That's right. Yeah. You don't get those too many in this world. <laughs> so I'll take all I can we'll get. We'll take them. <laughs> I'm married with a two-year-old. Yeah, it's married with kids. Like, please give us a compliment. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm going to give Marine Warehouse Center a compliment for being a sponsor of the show. We really appreciate you guys, and we're going to go to a message from them. We'll be right back. This is Preston with Marine Warehouse Center. We're your headquarters for Carolina Skiff, Sea Chaser, Paramarine, and Sailfish Boat. If you're looking for tons of features and value without compromise, Come check out our inventory in person or check us out online. All right, man. I saw that boat. You're still eyeing it. I'm eyeing that tower boat. (laughs) We'll cut it into the sponsorship package. Yeah, it might take me a little while to put that package together. (laughs) Emmett's no fool. He's a nice guy, but he's no fool. You'd have to get a tattoo of Emmett's face on your chest and go shirtless on the podcast. That might get it, a promotion or MWC tattoo. Hmm. I wonder if that would do it. (laughs) This isn't a no. It's not a yes, but it's not a no. Billy, speaking of Marine Warehouse Center, I've got a new theme. Oh, I haven't heard about this. No, you haven't. This is new. This is over under. You know, rumor has it that Jody Gay has gambled a little bit in his past. And so I was thinking about gambling. I thought about the over under. As part of the theme for this show. So I've got a question for you. I'm ready. I'm going to give you a number, and you're going to tell me whether or not the true answer is over or under the number. All right. Easy concept. 
how many employees does Marine Warehouse Center have at the Wilmington location? The over-under is 25. I'm going to go under. You need to go gambling with Jody, man, because it's 24. It is under. Yeah, that's good. I may have got a little help from Jody. I don't know. I saw a little... little... Man, he'll cheat the table, too. I know it. He'll count cards. He's got magnets. Whatever they do, I'm sure he's done it. Man, uh, show me a fishing photo. All right, here we go. Fish photo. We got Courtney Atkins of Troy, North Carolina, with a king mackerel caught on a cigar minnow near Frank Penn Tower. Uh, she was fishing with Captain Richard Kappel. I believe that's how you say his last name. I don't know. I can't read very well either. So if we say it, then it must be true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's, it's our podcast. What am I doing? Second guessing myself is ridiculous. One guy knows if we got it wrong. <laughs> if that's how you don't pronounce it, too bad. Now you do because we said told it to the world. <laughs> now before I get to Jody. Because he's got a lot to talk about, so we're working our way to him quickly. Before I get to him, a reminder, as I do every podcast, that at the conclusion of his presentation, of his discussion, I'm coming to Billy for Billy's best takeaway. All right. Hopefully it's gambling takeaway. I like, I like it. That's off podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's off podcast. So here I am. So I'm getting ready to, I'm bringing to the show Captain Jody Gay of Blue Water Candy. A reminder, we're talking about fall king mackerel fishing. We're going to talk about when... And where we're going to move into structure versus talk about live bait versus dead bait and then finish with getting the fish to the boat, getting the fish in the boat. Jody Gay, welcome to the show. Gary, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Billy. And uh, as always, we've, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Man, we have such a long history. Like we've uh, shared so much of the years that it was to have you here at the Fish Post office. It seems to be a treat, you know. I think we've been involved with uh, Fisherman's Post since the inception, and uh, uh, we've, we've made it through a lot of different things, and now a podcast. But now a podcast. Yeah. What's next? Jody, I do this with everyone. You are royalty, but you're not above anyone. You agree with that. Jody Gay, why should these people listen to what you have to say about a king mackerel? Well, I'm not certain they should, but uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've learned a lot over the years commercial fish to hook and line for 23 years much of which was uh involving king mackerel off different offshore species groupers mostly but uh and i've done a good bit of tournament fishing and and uh had a little success i mean i've been on teams that been blessed to learn from some guys that really knew what they were doing i've been on teams that won the ska national championship uh the kingfish cup championship as well as the cape lookout Cape Shootout Championship. So uh, I, I've been on the boat with some good guys that knew what they were doing, and I, I picked up a tip or two here and there from them. Right on, so. man. They would probably say they picked up a tip or two from you. Uh, All right. So you pass. We're going to listen. We're going to we're going to proceed with the podcast. But before we proceed with the podcast, we do have a feature, the two questions feature. And as I told I you so before the podcast, yes, yeah. you are. I yes. can tell. Two non-fishing questions. And I feel like lately I'm apologizing a lot for my lack of creativity. So here it was, talking about kings. So your two questions have to do with kings, but not king mackerel. Question number one. What's the difference between a king and a California king? I'm talking mattresses, of course. Uh, <laughs> the California king is uh, from the left-hand coast. <laughs> and it <laughs> tends to be a little bigger than a king. I'm going to give you that. It's... 
you're mostly true. It's a little mm-hmm. vague. It's longer. I didn't know this until I looked it up, oh. but it's not wider. Really? Okay. How about that? Okay. Second question. What's the difference between a king and an emperor? And I'm talking penguins, of course. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I didn't either. And the yeah. answer is really boring. <laughs> like, I don't even know why I included this. The king has longer and less curved beaks, and the emperor has shorter and more curved beaks. I couldn't care less, but I needed a second question. Thank you for Where do it. you find penguins? No, I'm asked the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not turning non-fishing questions on me. This is to make you look foolish, not me. Jody Gay, let's get back into king mackerel fishing. That's why people are tuned in. We said fall king mackerel fishing, and we're really talking south of Hatteras. You know, Hatteras area has a little bit different angle on what we might talk about. So south of Hatteras, fall king mackerel fishing. Let's start the conversation with some basics, with some guidance on when and where. Yeah, basically once once the air starts cooling off and the uh, spots start running and the mullets are running down the beach and there's lots of bait on the beach, the king mackerel are going to show up with them. You know, and uh, right now they're kind of scattered over every rock in the ocean. You know, it seems, and they'll they'll move inshore. We're we're blessed this year. We had an odd situation where in the spring we had a great great run on the beach. Uh, that's not the normal in recent years, but we have a, a great stock of fish right now. Pretty much all age classes, from big to small, are showing up, and it's it's just a great time for king mackerel fishing. But but basically, the fall king mackerel is the most fun fishing. You have the least distance to run normally. The fish are terribly active and hungry. The water's cooled off, they're feeling energetic. They're skying on baits. They're, they're doing you know, a, a lot of things that, are, that make it more fun. You know. All right, so the air's cooling off, but what about water? I mean, is a certain water temperature that gets you excited? Are you paying attention to that? No, just, just when it starts cooling off. I mean, I look more at the, you know, the, you know offshore in the wintertime, you look more at the temp than you do, you know, on the beach. To me, uh, when it's extremely hot in there, they they tend to shy away as they are right now. There's a few fish in there, but for the most part, they're pushed off the beach a little bit right now. Uh, and uh, but no, there's no magic number that I'm looking for. And it's bait moving down the coast, and that's what's bringing the kings. Yeah. You say they're scattered in the summer, and then they're they more start to, yes. and they start to congregate yes. more in the fall. Correct. And when you're saying on the beach, you're saying. I'm talking on the beach. Sun. You know, yeah. The piers catch a lot of them. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you get those, those pods of pogies running the beach or Manhaden or Shad, wherever you're at up and down the coast as to what they're called. But they, uh, uh, you know, the fish are going to show up in there. You get those mullets running the beach I and mean, it's just, they're going to be right there. And so as shallow as 20 feet of water and, and even less and even less than yeah, that. Yes. And then for fall king mackerel fishing, you don't expect to go any further than how far off the beach? 10 miles, 12 miles. So we're talking about right on the beach to 10 miles? For the most part, yes. Doesn't mean you can't catch some fish beyond that. Those bigger fish tend to be further inshore then and the south of Hatters. And the um, you don't have to run as far. You know, I run 20 if I can run two. So in the fall, I got a... I could expect anything from a 10-pound king to a 50-pound king? Absolutely. And above 50s. And above 50s. Are, are the ones that we strive for. You paying attention to the peers? Like, are you paying uh, attention to peers catching kings? Of course. I can't catch a peer fish, though. 
when they're catching them, I tend to not be. I can't go near that pier and catch a fish. Right. I can get on some structure down the beach from it where bait is, something like that, and catch them fine. But I tend to not be able to catch them. I, I can sit and watch them. Off, I can be off the end of the pier fishing to watch them catch them, and I still can't do it. And I don't understand. It frustrates me. But uh, some people are a lot better at that than I am. You know. But uh, I'm, I, I'm not good at watching other people catch fish. <laughs> you know, the... the uh, but but you can fish. I mean, literally on the beach okay. when they're when those bait when those bait pods are in there, you know, you can be right dead on the beach. The tide lines at the inlets are a great place. You get little bait, you know, bait that bunches up on those where the, on those opposing when those opposing tides meet, you know, and you get the little tide line. It's great fishing in the fall, you know, just like the Spanish mackerel pile up on it during the summer, the king mackerel pile up on it during the fall. Yeah. So that tide line, man, are we talking about on the on a particular edge, or it could be on either edge? Just right outside the inlet. Right outside the inlet, on the right outside, outside edge of the tide line. On the outside edge of the tide line, usually in the, on the clear side. On the clear side. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's one thing that the water clarity will determine pretty much how far I like to fish out the beach. If it's too muddy on the beach, I'm not good at catching them. You know, I tend to do better when I can, when, you know, in a little bit clearer water. And I will push up. If there's been a big blow that's got it real muddy on the beach, you know, I'll tend to look something that's not directly on the beach. Some others are very good at catching them in there, though. I'm not saying don't try it. I'm just saying it don't work well for me. Yeah. And so that one might be a, a reason to get you a little bit further off, to make a little exactly. bit further run. Exactly. But I'm not talking any further than I have to in the fall. I mean, there's rocks off of Topsail. There's rocks off of Carolina Beach. Uh a lot of stuff off of Brunswick County that's not very far. It's a mile, two miles, three miles off the beach where the water won't be as stirred up normally that uh, produce a lot of fish. Once I push off the beach, I do like to be on some structure of some kind at, at that point, some rock formations, even artificial reefs, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, where if I'm beach fishing, literally on the beach fishing, you're not going to find the bottom there normally. You know, there's a few places that there's that there's rocky bottom ledges real close to the beach, and those do tend to be hot spots. And if you can get the bait going over that structure, uh, you got the best of both worlds. You know? So this is our transition into structure versus no structure, kind of how we build in the lead-in. So Correct. what you're telling me is structure would be more off the beach. Normally, yes. And now I don't mean very far off the beach. You know, and in some cases it's right on the beach. You know, two to ten, uh, closer than that. I mean, okay. there's, there's stuff three quarters of a mile off the beach. Uh, there's stuff right off the end of the piers. You, you know, just out of range. You know, where you're legal fishing out of their way. Uh, but uh, when I'm, but normally those 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 pods of Manhattan are going to be on the beach. You know, they're they're in eight, ten, twelve, fifteen feet of water. You know, and when you push off the beach a little bit. Is, is where the rocks tend to be. But like I said, that doesn't mean that bait won't be out there. When it is, you got the best of both worlds. If you can get the bait or even a tide line crossing that, that bottom structure too, you, you've got all the elements coming together for you at that point. So when you're talking about no structure and closer to the beach, you're just looking for bait? Is that the look, game or you're just in a region look, you look, decide? Yeah, bait, bait depends a lot, yes. But at the same time, now if, I seldom run to a spot i run toward a spot you know so it mean what i mean is i'm looking all the way there for whatever looks fishy 
you know, I got a place in mind that I'm headed to, but that doesn't mean that's where I'm going to fish at. Mm-hmm. You know, if I see birds working a lot of bait, yeah, see a fish guy, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I can I can pull back on the throttles at that point and, and set them out and at least give it a 30 minutes, you know, and then move on. What do you rather see, man? Bait active on the surface or a whole bunch of bait on the machine? Uh, well, but either one. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a preference. The uh, as long as there's, as long as I know there's bait present. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, what about? Let's transition into some rigs. Let's talk about into some decisions versus dead bait versus live bait. Yeah. So, you're heading towards a spot, but that isn't necessarily where you're going to fish. When you're heading out for the day, have you already decided whether you're dead bait, live bait fishing? Well, you know if you caught bait or not. So, it's that simple. <laughs> so yeah. Given the if choice, you, you're if live you have bait. time, if you have time to catch live bait it's you're going to catch a bigger grade of fish okay you know there's exceptions to that but you're going to cl- catch a better class of fish that's why all your tournament fishermen are busting their butt to have the prettiest bait of anybody you know be it bluefish be it mullet be it you know uh, thread fins pogies whatever i mean kings will eat a big variety of fish uh you know they'll even eat trout you know, you know they'll eat about anything but they but the biggest prettiest baits generally win you know so the tournament guys will fight over those live baits but if you've got two hours to go fishing this afternoon you don't necessarily want to spend it trying to spend half of it catching trying to catch bait you know uh you want to go fishing that's when you grab a box of cigar minnows a few ballyhoo squids whatever you know you have available and and go dead bait fishing well give us some dead bait fishing tips let's start with that all right and then we'll move into what i'm predicting will be a longer conversation about live bait as I said, with dead dead bait is not nearly as effective on the beach as it is once you hit some clear water and stuff. You tend to troll faster, you know. You will troll faster with dead bait if you're only fishing dead bait, and uh, you know, with the exception of ribbon fish, ribbon fish you'll still pull pretty slow. Ribbons are a great bait inshore, you know, even you know right onto the beach, and. Uh, they do here i think they'll do better on a downrigger than they do on top usually you know there's exceptions that if you're full, if you're fishing right on the beach it's very hard to fish a downrigger you know you pretty much got to fish them on top i've fished tournaments down in florida and stuff where you'll be around guys that are fishing nothing but ribbon fish and I'm like, what the heck you know but but uh that's very unusual nobody I, that i know of does that here okay uh normally here the easiest thing to grab cigar minnows Spanish sardines don't troll good. You know, that's another bait that's available in the in the freezer at the bait shop. Northern mackerel do. You know, they'll troll pretty good. They tend to not hold up like the cigar minnows do. And with the difference in a live bait, and there is a difference in a live bait rig and a dead bait rig. A dead bait rig is normally going to have some weight to it. Okay. You know, it's Why gonna, is that? It's going to be just to help hold that bait turnt like it's supposed to be turnt. Okay. In other words, this one has... This is a dead bait rig that we make. We used to make these for, uh, a lot of people call them Hank Brown rigs. We used to make them for uh, uh, hookup lures out of uh, Isla Mirada when Hank owned the company, when Hank Brown owned it. It's been sold two or three times since, and they quit making, we quit making them for them. So the, uh, just because they, they didn't sell well outside of the Carolinas, so they dropped them. And we picked them up at that point and started making them, you know, under the Blue Water Canyon name. But the, the jig head underneath his chin 
you know, just run the hook in as centered as you can get it, come out the nose as centered as you can get it, break it up a little bit, limber it up so you're not pulling a popsicle or a stick there, you know, to get a, get a little bit of action to it and, 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 and pull it. Normally, these, this type bait would do better on a downrigger. You know, you will get it, get it down just a little bit to help hold it down in the water. It'll want to kind of do crazy things on top, Okay. you know, unless you put a lot of weight to it. Normally, dead bait rigs will have a skirt. Okay. Okay. That's, that will change when we get into live bait. Okay. But normally, a dead bait rig, you do want the skirt. Uh, on why, the lines, on, on the, the lines that you're running, it just tends to do better. You know, you don't have to have it, you know, and you can try. I mean, you can mix it up. You can try some without the skirt, but generally we find that the more color you've got on it, it kind of distracts, I guess, from the fact that it's a dead bait. I don't know, <laughs> you know, maybe, but, uh, but in that, you know, those, those work really well on the downrigger, not so well on top. We make a product, prod, product that we, we, uh, cleverly named the wedgie. All right. Okay. Yeah. You guys are good with your names. All right. Yeah. This is actually the Supreme wedgie. Okay. <laughs> My favorite. This, uh, yeah. He has, has a wedge shaped head where its name comes from. And it tends to, if you're pulling it on top, it tends to dive down, you know, eight or 10 feet and you control it. You control it a lot faster. That gets down eight or 10 feet. Yes. Right on. Okay. And it has a hook that will go, as I said, under the chin, out the nose. The Supreme Wedgie has two tra trailing trebles back here. It has the skirt and the Mylar, where the regular wedgie is just going to have one or the other. It has this hook that locks in place okay. into the head. When you get a fish on it, comes it comes loose. I don't have it loose your, on the... Your microphone's blocking it. Okay. but uh, And it, uh, it'll break loose, and you're fighting just the fish. You know, whereas with the jig head, it, ro it rolls with it, and you tend to have a little bit of a de-hooking effect with that with that jig head if he turns his head just the right way you know he can roll it out of there but uh you can use dead bait on a regular live bait rig with no weight but it's absolutely got to be on the downrigger then okay you know and it tends to flop around and roll more instead of looking you know standing up like it's supposed to and go dead bait does better a little ways off the beach than it does right on the beach normally uh, in fact, in you know, other times of year, dead bait is a great way to go. You'll actually, at certain times of year, catch more fish with dead bait because you can cover more territory. You can pull it faster than you can pull, but they do tend to run smaller than what you're going to catch on live bait, and you lose those fish skying and doing beautiful things that uh, we all like to see when you, uh, you know, are pulling the live bait and you got him kicking around on top. You know, and, uh, but you know, the ribbons, ribbons work well in there. The others not as well, but as soon as you start getting off the beach, any at all, you can start pulling the dead bait, you know? All right. I got a couple of follow-up questions. All right. Color of the skirt. Does that matter? Are you just looking for what might be hot that day? And it's personal preference. The, the, the pinks and greens tend to do, you know, uh, they certainly sell the best. So apparently they're the most appealing to the fishermen. Uh, I don't know about the fish. One thing I don't like near the beach, me personally, I don't like anything blue, blue and white. You know, to me, that's more of a clear water color. Uh, uh, fancy, you know, the brighter the better to me when I'm in that dirtier water. Okay. You know. All right, next question. Those trebles, are they just trailing behind or do you have any of them fixed to the bait? I like to just leave them loose because it lets the bait move freer. You know, you can stick it in there. 
you know, especially if you start getting a lot of short strikes or something, you can stick, you know, at least one of them or, or both um, in, in the bait. But it, it uh, to me, it makes it run more like that sticker, that popsicle. It takes the life out of it. So, so even that supreme wedgie with two uh, trebles, you'll let those two trebles just correct. flow loose. Yes. All right. Yes. And then how long, we? you know, you don't have to unwind, but how long is that wire leader it's typically It's about three on, feet. About three feet. It's about three feet. That's pretty standard. Yeah, I mean, it can be. It doesn't have... You basically want some 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 protection from the teeth, you know, at the at the mouth. You know, you're not going to make it long enough that it's not possible for a 50 pounder to tail whip it. You know, I mean, the leader would be longer than the rod at that point, or as long as the rod. And uh, so it's, you know, you tend to go uh, with which I tend to go with shorter rigs. To me, I don't want it more than because because above that, I'm going to be running fluorocarbon. Okay. Okay. So the longer I run that wire leader, the more visible the bait is. The shorter that leader is, then the, you know, the the, the quicker I get to the fluorocarbon, which he supposedly at least can't see. And how long will that fluorocarbon be? How long? Yeah. To the, to the, <clears throat> you want mono. I mean, I like mono versus braid. King micro fishing, not in all fisheries, but in the king micro fishery, I'd rather uh -huh. have a real spool with mono. Right. And then, yeah, maybe six feet shot. Okay. You know, I mean, but but we'll fish it till it gets right on down to four or five. You know, uh, you know, as you cutting off and tying on, or it gets cut off or whatever. You'll. And I think I can guess why, but I'll have you say it. Why you like mono better than braid? Well, it, it, the braid's just more visible. It tends to tangle worse. Uh, it sinks in the water versus kind of staying a little higher, you know, which makes it more visible because it puts it in the water. And you've got lines kind of over the top of lines when you're king mackerel fishing most often. Huh? And that braid's going to tend to droop down onto those shorter baits worse. Okay. Um, and then I think this will be my last question on dead bait. Typical trolling speed. Uh, with dead bait, three to six knots. Okay. You know. Uh, with the wedges, you can pull them up to about eight knots before they'll start blowing out of off the surface. You know, they'll kind of lose their diving effect as you get them too fast. They'll come back to the top. Yeah. And I lied. I got one more question. You like right. one or two downriggers? Uh, one. Okay. Unless I'm way off the beach, you know, one. And, and if you're dead bait fishing, there's nothing wrong with having two, especially uh, as, as you get deeper. Because dead bait fishing, I will, in fact, dead bait fishing most often – if I'm off the beach any, I'll run to, you know, one, you know, 20 feet or so. You know, typically you'll pick one about two thirds the depth of the water and one about a third the depth of the water, you know, to keep them separated. If you get them the same depth down, you're normally going to get tangles worse that way. All right. Um, so what I'll do is I'm going to set you up. Any last thoughts on dead bait? If so, what are they? If not, let's transition to live bait. No, live bait. All right. Let's talk live bait. Live bait is, uh, definitely the the tournament fisherman's bait of choice uh man as i mentioned earlier manhaden bluefish uh mullet uh the bigger the better they don't get too big they don't get too I big i take that back bluefish <laughs> are get too big all right you know now one thing that does work well i bait fishing is local bait okay in other words the bait that you're that they're feeding on right at that spot you're fishing so having like sabiki rigs if the cigar minnows around, live cigar minnows are awesome key micro bait, as long as they're big enough, you know, for the for the, the bigger fish. Uh, if you can jig blues while you're doing it, 
we always keep a rod tied with a spinning rod ready to go with some form of a jig, uh, you know, just ready to throw to whatever that splash is over there. Okay. You know, just because, just you know, I mean, it's, you're fishing for king mackerel, but yet you're using live bait to do it. So if you can catch live bait as you're doing it, that's, you know, it's great, you know. And, and plus the blues and all that you catch doing that tend to run pretty big. Even Spanish mackerel, you know, if they don't get, if they're not four pounders, I wouldn't be scared to put a four pounder out tournament fishing, but, uh, you know, they'll work well. But a sabiki rig, uh, we do a gold hook rig. It's got a, like a sparkle jig at the bottom. I don't know if you can see this or not. And then it's just got bare gold hooks above it. Works really well for jigging okay. while you're, while you're fishing. It'll, it'll, it'll work well when you're, uh, you know, right along when you're trolling. If trolling's a little bit slow or you got a, a youngster on the boat to keep them interested between bites, put them up there casting out ahead of the boat, let it sink down and just jig it back to the boat and just get it before it gets in the motor. You know, get it up, cast it again, and they will catch you some great bait in a day's time doing that normally, you know, until their arms wear out. And uh, but but even still, if you've got an extra person on the boat, it's not a bad thing at all to be doing. You know, uh, the sabiki rigs will work better for the cigar minnows and the sardines. You know, the, the other stuff that would be there. So if I take knowledge of local bait out of the <laughs> equation and I just say you blindly have to pick your top two live baits, your top two favorite live baits, what would they be? Uh, Manhattan and and bluefish. All right. And then how are we rigging those? We are rigging those on a live bait rig, basically, which is the difference between the dead bait and it ha it will have no weight on it. Okay. This particular one, it, I like the two trebles over the single nose hook with the treble. A lot of people prefer a single nose hook, you know, with the trailing treble. I like the two trebles. Uh, and you basically will start out. I never go all naked. I never go all skirts. I'll mix it up. Okay. You know, some of both. And if they tend to be favoring one, I'll kind of go a little bit heavier that way, but never all the way. You know, as far as I'll never have all skirts out, I'll never have all naked out. You know, and, and uh, it's just, you know, one thing I am anal about, however, if I have this, we call this one money green. That's what, right. what the tournament fishermen have nicknamed this one, okay? It's the right. lime featherweight. Very lightweight skirt, doesn't slow the baits down. You don't want a heavy skirt, you know, with live bait. You're just going to slow them down and make them die sooner. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The, but um, this this particular one we, re we really like. Again, I don't want something blue. You know, the blues and the greens and the chartreuses tend to be the most popular. Uh, I don't want something blue on the beach. Okay. You know, so fall, King Michael fishing on the beach, I'd almost never have blue out. Now, at the same time, it's going to be somebody's favorite because that's what they caught the biggest one they ever caught on or, you know, the last one they caught, you know, something like that. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go both ways, and we're just going to hook this guy right in the top of the nose, right through his nostrils, basically, okay? And... We're either going to let that one hang or we're going to stick it in him. I like to stick on live bait. I'd rather stick it in him, either on top, right behind his dorsal fin, or down at his belly, either, either one. Why? If it's a really big fish, I'll tend to go to his belly with it instead of on the top. Why hook it and not let it dangle? Uh, it, well, you're going to get some tangles. 
Okay. It, that, that live bait's going to kick it, and it's going to get up here and get tangled some, you know. And uh, so that that's why I prefer to have it in the bait. I got another and, question. Okay. A quick pros and cons of that front hook being a travel or being a single hook. Uh, a well, to me, I like the double travel just because I feel like I got a better chance of hooking the fish up. Okay. You know, but at the same time, on a bluefish rig, a three hook rig, they tend to be bigger baits. So you go with. I don't know if you can see this or not. I got the leader wound up on there, but it does have the single nose hook. Okay. With two uh, two trebles behind it. All right. Okay, about five and a half, six inches apart, you know. And uh, the reason I like the nose hook on the blue is they tend to have a tougher nose. Same with mullet. And you can it's easier to push it through if you don't have the point of another hook there okay. that you're trying to push through the nose of the bait, you know. And it's somewhat less visible, I'm sure, you know, to, to the fish. Uh, and again, with the blues... You can if you got a big blue, a lot of blue fish in your spread, you can you can skirt some of them, not skirt them. Uh, glow beads can be added. Some people like that, or any kind of little bead uh, that uh, you know. I, mean, I don't fish a lot of beads, but but you can do it. I, some some people certainly do. Well, walk me through if I'm live bait fishing center console. And I don't have a huge go fast boat with four three hundreds on the back that's thirty six feet long. <laughs> yeah. If I have a more modest center console, mm-hmm. you know, twenty six, thirty, whatever, what's a typical spread like? What's too many lines? What's too few lines? What how would you advise? Too many is more than the crew you have that day can handle. All right. Okay. That's a good non answer. You don't pull tank you don't pull tangles. Okay, that is an absolute no-no. You know, nothing will scare a fish off sooner you know, than, than having tangles in the water, having baits with grass on them. You know, anything like that, it's just not normal looking to a fish. He'll pull into your spread, see that, and he's gone. Okay? We've actually watched them with drones, done drone footage. All right. Interesting. It will, it will make you mad to watch, okay? Now, obviously, this was done offshore where the water was clear, and you could see the... You could see them come up and just be tailing those baits, you know, and they'll go look at this one. They'll look, you know, and if and if all of a sudden grass hits one of them, starts getting pulled through the water, he, I mean, he'll he'll literally dart away from it, you know. And so you you know be careful with that. Tangles the same way. Anything that looks abnormal, you know, you want that bait looking just as free as it can look back there. That's why you don't want to pull it fast. You know, if you're dragging him sideways through the water, it's not good. You want the best bait. I'd rather have one bait swimming perfect, okay, than six lines with them twirling and doing crazy things. Once the bait starts dying, take him off. Put a fresh one on there, okay? Some people, and I've been on the boat with the guys that were guilty of this, that one bait in the tank that looks like he's going to die, oh, we better go ahead and use him. If you do that all day, you're fishing with the worst baits you have all day, Okay? Fish with the best looking bait you got, not the worst looking bait you've got, you know. And uh, pogies and blues don't mix well in the tank together. All right. You would think the blues would kill the pogies, but it's the other way around. The pogies put off something that will kill the bluefish. Okay. Okay. And especially if you're catching them fresh, if they haven't been pinned up, and they come in and they haven't had time to uh, cleanse themselves, I, I, I guess, because they're going to. 
it, it scares the poop out of them, I guess, when you catch them. And if you're dumping them right in with blues, it'll kill them all, I mean, so fast. It's not funny. You right. know? Just some chemical to give off. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's there. You know? uh, <clears throat> and uh, what was the question again? I got it was all about the spread. That's all oh, right. okay. No, yeah. This has all been okay. good. So keep, keep, the, keep, you know, keep every line running as good as you can. You got one that's going to be your long line. How long? Okay. Long, oh, 100 yards. All right. 100, you know, if I'm not in a bunch of boats, maybe 150. You know, I'm going to send him back there. Okay. I want him away from the boat. I want it just as quiet back there as it can be where he's at. Putting that out first? Okay. I'm putting it out first. When when you're first setting your spread, yes. It'll go out first. Then you'll put, typically you're going to run four rods on top. That's a typical number. It's going to be four. If you don't have the crew for four, it's a rough day or you got really big baits that want to crisscross a lot, then you can go to... You know, you can go to three. Nothing wrong with that. Some guys pull three. You can make more turns and turn shorter, you know, without creating tangles, the less lines you have out. Okay. So a lot will depend, too, on how big of an area you're fishing there. If there's one little spot you're zeroing in on, you may pull a line in so that you don't tangle them up. But you've got that one long. Then you're going to come 50 yards in from it, say, okay, and you're going you're gonna to put your next bait, and you'll put it up high, Okay. I tend by habit to put my a skirt on that one. I'll start out with the skirt not on the on long, that. but on not the, on the long, the but second, on that the high one. one. Okay, then you're gonna put one out that's a little shorter than it from the boat, and you'll put it on the other side in the what we call kingfish rod holders on either side of the t-top. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first line I didn't mention is overhead. It's on top of the t-top. It's right down the center. Okay. Okay. Then you're gonna run what we call a prop wash bait. Typically, we'll run a double puggy rig in the prop wash. Uh, it's kind of long, and, you, you know, you can do them in line, okay? Uh, we market one that's on a little three-way swivel, and it's literally got two rigs coming off of it, one shorter than the other, so that you can put two baits on there, you know? Uh, typically, we'll run a double puggy on the one closest to the boat because it's what fun to watch them swim around and argue with one another about which direction they're going to go, and it... Kind of keeps you entertained that How way. How far off the back of the boat? Uh, I tend to run it longer than most people because I tend to not get do well with the prop wash bait until the fall. There's nothing better than those 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 sky and fish coming up eating that prop wash bait, you know, right there behind the motor. Uh, but some will run it literally very close. And some days it's almost like they'll key in on that. It's like they come to the boat. Okay. You know, like that's what attracts them. They come to the noise of the boat, the commotion of the boat. That's what makes them come over to you and take a look. And that prop wash is the first one they see if they're doing that. On days that they're doing that, we may bring that next one in a little closer to it, you know, the one behind it. One thing that I tend to be anal about, the one that I start with a skirt or the two that I start with a skirt, if I've got a green skirt in what we call the number three position, which is one, two, three from the boat. Okay. Okay. If it gets bit in that position, when we land that fish, we're putting the spread back out. I want it back in the same spot. All right. I don't want it elsewhere in the spread. I want it in the same spot. Something about it's a certain color or not color in a certain position. Some days they'll key in on it and you'll get three-fourths of your bite in that right there. Don't change what's working. Okay, is is my theory on that. You know, don't change it. If you have a bluefish on it, 
don't put a pogey back there and put the bluefish somewhere else. Put a bluefish back there. Okay. You know, whatever's working, don't don't screw with it. Okay? Makes sense. You know. Uh, so that's a, you know, that's, I mean, that's just some of the things that I'm funny about. doesn't mean you got to fish that way. Uh, that the problem that creates though, is that long lines back there. And when it comes in, cause the bait's dead or because you miss a fish on it, you know, something like that. It's a little difficult, especially if you're not pretty experienced at it to get a bait back into that position without dropping it into the other baits. Okay. You tend to have to cast it out to the side, okay. which with live bait rods is, is not the easiest thing to do, you know, and, and with live bait, they just, they don't cast good, but they, you know, get it out beyond those, you know, and, and, and send it back. Okay. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, I like to turn of the two that I have on the side. Okay. The longer of the two, number three, as I referred right. to it a while ago, if, if I can, I'd like to turn toward it. It keeps me from tangling as bad. I tend to tangle worse if I turn toward the short Tang side. Towards number three, which is the next toward to the last bait. The longest, the longest T-top bait, like the spin toward it. Now, obviously, if you're in boat traffic or the rocks over here, you don't want to turn away from it. You, you know, you end up that way. But if possible, I'll try to set it up, you know, to turn toward that long one. I just tend to get less tangles that way. Speed of the troll? Just as slow as I can make it go and still keep those baits from tangling. So in and out of yeah. gear slow. Yes. All right. One engine, put trim tabs down, whatever you can do to slow the boat down. Uh, once you turn back into the sea, if it's, you know, if there's much or, or current, then you may have to bump the other, another engine in gear or, you know, raise the tabs, speed up a little bit, you know, but the quieter you can keep the motor, the better. All right. So this spread is working. And all of a sudden, one of our baits is screaming, we've got a king on. Okay. What happens now? All right. We're not going to clear all the lines. All right. Okay. I like to fish while I'm catching fish. All right. Okay. You're in fish. You just got bit. You know, some guys will jump back there and clear them just as fast as they can. Uh, and that's not what you want to do. You know, and if you do, as soon as you get spun on that fish, because you're going to almost always, you're going to be around other boats. You're fishing very light tackle. You're fishing typically 20-pound mono on your reel, uh, you know, and 20 or 25-pound fluoro. And, you know, kingfish treble hooks will bend if you put enough pressure on, you know. So you're not – you have a very loose drag. You're not set up to crank that fish back to the boat necessarily, okay? It's a good, great way to lose a fish if you want to do that, you know. You can do it, but it's, 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 it's not preferred, especially if it's rough at all. You want to take the boat to him. So you'll send somebody with that rod. You know, they'll stand there while he's running for the most part, unless you've really got to get around on him to keep another boat from running over him. Do you want that rod and in the hand as soon as possible? You want someone to run, grab it out of the rod holder? Or absolutely. You want it? Okay. Absolutely. And one reason I want to do that, Gary, is they don't always hook up when they first hit. You know, kings will come and they'll cut a bait. You know, they'll, 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 they'll be like what I call slash feeders. They'll come up, Wahoo are the same way. They'll come up and kill a bait, then turn around to eat it. Okay. Okay. And you may not hook him when he does that. And sometimes if it's feeding good and he's got a lot of competition, he'll come in there and swallow it whole. You know, and that's what you want to happen. But when, especially when they're not hitting, when they're not terribly hungry and active and, or have a lot of competition among food, uh, they don't have a lot of buddies with them. 
they'll come and cut it, you know, and I want that rod in, the, in somebody's hand immediately. And if the fish isn't hooked up, drop it in free spool and start dumping line off of it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, heck, he missed it and start cranking as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. Two halves of a pogey going through the water don't look very natural to him. He's not likely to come back and grab that. But that one falling in the water, you know, that him or another one will, you know, tends, tends to come back and eat it a lot of times. Cool. And you feel like a hero. You feel like the smartest person on earth. You know, when he comes back and eats it, you've already you know, missed him, but here he is. I got him. I got him to come back. Yeah. But uh, so that's the that's one reason I want it in their hand pretty quick. Makes sense. You know, and and uh, but you'll clear the other lines to the to the extent that you can maneuver. Once you once you've got the boat, you'll send that person with that rod up to the bow or right alongside the console where they can talk to you and you'll work the boat around to them. OK, turning toward the fish slowly keeping the line tight not getting faster than the angler is at keeping slack out of the line you want to keep the keep the slack out you're not going to winch on this fish and crank him back to the boat okay you save that for sharks and stuff that you don't amberjack stuff that you don't care if you lose okay you're going to take the boat to it you're not going to bring it to the boat okay and especially the bigger he is the truer that is so you'll you'll spin the boat around and go toward him he may change directions Usually with a beach bite, fish is going to run straight offshore. If he's the one you're looking for, he's going to run straight offshore. Okay. Uh, okay, he's going to be heading for, for a little bit deeper water. He can't run down because he's in shallow water. So all he can do is smoke a reel, you know, and, 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 uh, and head offshore with it. So you're going to be working toward him. Now, while I'm doing that, I want somebody fishing out the back of the boat. Okay, I want to make sure we got at least one line still in the water. We've, I can't tell you how many tournaments we won by doing that somebody's still fishing okay in fact the biggest one we ever caught which at the time was the biggest one ever caught in a tournament on the east coast of 69 right at 69 he hit a bait i literally had the rod in my hand when he hit it i was running the boat and working the rod at the same time you know to, to, while we were fighting a fi another fish and but it's uh it, it pays like pays to do that, okay? But anyway, you're taking the boat to this fish. You're going to just kind of pump back, crank down, crank the slack out without throwing the rod down. You want to keep tension on it all the time. Because if you're ripping, King Michael aren't the toughest fish in the world, and often you're going to hook them somewhere other than in the face. You may hook them in that soft belly meat, you know, and, and, and that hook, the longer he's out there, the more you're ripping the hole, a little bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, for the hook for, for it to come out. So you don't want to slow slack to it. Yeah, cause you may, you, you're almost certainly going to have one hook in him, you know, many, many, many times one hook's all that's going to be in him, one barb okay. off of that treble hook. Yeah. So you're going to go, you're going to go to him. You're going to get him close to the boat. Usually once you get the boat to him, he's going to make another run. Okay. So you can't tighten the drag down, you know, nothing wrong with getting it a little toner after he makes that initial run, but, but you don't want to, you don't want to lock the drag down on this fish. Okay. You want to take the boat to him. And when he's ready, without you doing too much horsing, you know, and he gets to the top, somebody there with a gaff, tend to have a long gaff, King Michael fishing, because he may pop up over here 12, 15 feet from the boat, that first gaff shot you get at him, and he's going to run. If you miss him with a gaff, he's going to run a little bit again. You know, and like I said, the longer he's out there, the more he's ripping 
a little bit more, a little bit more, and the chances of something eating him. Yeah, there's stuff out there that'll eat him too. You know, he's not the top of the food chain. You know, and and he'll. But but as soon as you get a safe gaff shot, safe meaning behind the leader. Okay, I don't really care where you stick him. I'd prefer him not bleed a bunch, but it, it happens. You know, I'd rather have that big rascal in the boat with a hole in his belly, bleeding bad, than making another run. Okay. You, you know, but don't gaff ahead of the leader. You'll, you can snatch the hooks right out of him. You know, stay behind the leader. Be careful not to tangle the gaff up in the line, you know, from the rod. Uh, since it is a long gaff, watch out for the T-top. It'll get in the way. Okay. You know, you can you do like this and it don't go. It don't work. You know, so... But that's basically how you get him in the boat. And you put the spread back out. Hopefully you're celebrating and hooting and hollering and ready for a cold beer at that point. But you know, but you're but you're basically, you know, getting back to fishing as soon as you can. And remember, don't change what worked. Whatever you caught him on, go back in that exact same spot with him again. Jody, uh, I think you have successfully and thoroughly covered our talking points that we set uh, up at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, I don't want to say goodbye just yet though, so any final thoughts? I don't thoughts? get two more non-fishing related questions. No, we don't so, end okay. with non-fishing questions. <laughs> okay. You passed. But any other final thoughts, man? Any other, oh yeah, keep this in mind or don't ever do this? Don't pull tangles. Don't pull grass. Don't put more lines out. If you, if you and if it's you and your wife and y'all can only handle two lines, fish two lines. Yeah. Keep those baits looking good. Like I said, don't, don't, don't fish with that one that looks the worst in there. Fish with that one that looks the best. If you run out of bait, go home or go catch some more. Or have some dead bait on the boat to fish at that point. You know, uh, I mean, we'll often, especially if we're running offshore tournament fishing, we'll take dead bait with us. Uh, you know, and it's very common for the guys to take ribbon fish, you know, and have them as a, not only a backup, but a, a complement to the live bait. This, this is the point in the podcast where I usually ask the captain, hey, tell me about what other charters you're doing throughout the year. So for you, I'm going to ask... I mean, give us a review. Give us a quick review of the top Blue Water Candy offerings when it comes to King Mackerel Ricks. Uh, certainly the Money Green Featherweight Skirt. The Pink Hot Shot, which is a different style skirt that we do. It's a little bit heavier, but it's, it's a silicone skirt that has the, the bling-bling material, we call it, the shiny mylar in it, and the skirt. But it tends to be a little heavier on a live bait. But inshore especially, it's very bold and stands out. Uh, the wedgies, oh my gosh. You know, the wedgies, because most people do fish dead bait. It's easier. You know, big pogies can be very hard to catch. You know, enough blues to go fishing with can be very hard to catch. Uh, so the, the dead bait rigs, any of the dead bait rigs, there's not a bad color. I mean, pick your favorite, you know. Don't buy them all the same color, you know, if you're just starting out. Uh, you know, and our, our live bait rigs, we do a... A, a ton of live bait rigs it, it still blows my mind but there's just a lot of people that prefer us to build them instead of them you know and uh don't forget your jigs have those thingamajigs my wife named that okay i can't help it yeah <laughs> was it dory i think it's dory that said or, or somebody in one of those movies says it's a thingamajig uh, sebastian in uh i don't know one of those kids movies i don't know but you have kids you know which one <laughs> but uh and, and uh you know it, 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 and just have something there have your jigs ready take them with you don't don't have them in the console 
where when you see that splash, you got to tie that jig on. Have it ready to go when you leave the dock. Have it sitting in the rod, sitting in a rod holder somewhere out of the way, where you can grab it real quick and cast it. You know, and uh, you know, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with having a cobia jig ready. You get that cobia swimming around the boat. You know, and he'll eat a live bait too. You know, and uh, that's that's the two the the other than sharks and big Spanish mackerel. You'll catch some nice, nice Spanish mackerel, king mackerel. So you seem not to be overly proud of the name thingamajig, but Blue Water Candy has a history of clever names. Give me one of the uh, names that you're most proud of. Uh, <clears throat> eh, I think Roscoe. The Roscoe. The old Roscoe jig, right. you know, from from uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane. Sure. You know, we like movies. We watch a lot of movies. What can I say? But uh, I will mention, though, for anybody that's just starting this fishing, yeah. okay, uh, there's a lot of charter captains out there. I've never done it, don't intend to, okay? But there's a lot of charter captains that you can learn an awful lot from in a half a day or a full day charter king micro fishing. They're all up and down the coast. You know, from Myrtle Beach, we've got some great ones local here, Rob Beerstad, uh, Clint Richardson, Austin Eubank, uh, Kevin Sneed down at, at Holden Beach, uh, Brant McMullen and his crowd down at Ocean Isle, uh, the Liquid Fire team, uh, you know, up at uh, Swansboro, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, the, the Chasing Tails crowd out of Moorhead. Go with one of these guys. Let them teach you how to catch these guys. You'll get so, far, so much knowledge in a very quick period of time from somebody that knows what they're doing, that's done it before and had success at it, not your buddy that thinks he knows how. Okay, it's a you know you'll you'll learn a lot. Some of them will go on your boat, show you how to use your gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. right on, uh, Jody. This brings us to the end, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary. This thank was an you, Billy. Easy it's a, conversation. It's been a Just turn <laughs> well, you on. Well, I like to talk. Yeah, man, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so now I come oh, to Billy man. though. What is going on? There's Gary? a lot of information as that it goes good. in these podcasts. Yep. I feel like I say that at the end of most podcasts. A lot of information. Yeah, a lot. Billy's best takeaway would be uh the last 47 minutes yes no nope. no nope. i can't let that go through that's a cop out <laughs> that is not a cop out i've never done this type of fishing actually i was pretty impressed that you could catch them so close to to shore i didn't know that you know when, when you think offshore you think like always offshore so to, now i don't know if i'm gonna be able to fight those old crusty pier dudes to get out there on the end of the pier but... they ain't gonna let you get close <laughs> I'm not gonna... they ain't gonna let you unless i just come vomit way yeah no, no, no. Uh... <laughs> I well, that's think, how I started king fishing. Right off the pier. Surf right? City Pier, yeah. I would think I was impressed, man. This guy is a politician, man. You know, when he was saying, like, eh, you know, people do it a different way. This is me. He, he always allowed for a different interpretation. I was already uh, yeah. impressed by that political awareness. And then at the end, when he got in some good name dropping, I was like, man, he is a professional through and through. His, there is nothing cell, accidental about you may have a hippie hair right now, but there is nothing <laughs> accidental about his delivery. It was awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Good times. What else we got going on, Gary? I think I, we're wrapping I, up. I was just sitting in class. I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to get out of class mode. <laughs> oh, Once again, we'll just remind you guys how to watch, how to listen. Uh, you can see here a list of places on the screen. But the easiest way is to go to fishermanspost.com and go to the podcast section. And once again, thank you, Marine Warehouse Center, for being the sponsor of this episode. And we look forward to the next one. Yeah, man. That's the it. next one. Thank you so much, Billy. Thanks, Gary.